Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Kane and Rince's Sound of Play video game music podcast, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 255 is Jay Taylor. Hello. I put the shout out for somebody from the crew to join me for Sound of Play this week. And uh, you put your hand up in the air like an enthusiastic pupil. Well, I was I happened to be on Slack when you put that like well, literally just there, so I thought, ah, I haven't done it in a bit in a while. Part of so, it. But yeah. also it means that you've been playing games and listening to the music. Appreciating I've been the game. Work. Mainly to- a game. Hence we've got two tracks from that game. But I yeah, think yeah. that's fine. I'm not sure we featured anything from Neo two up to this point, but obviously we have now because we opened the show with Freed from this mortal coil. So 
I remember the name Hugo Cano from the previous Neo game was, and this is now a collaboration with Akihiro Manabe. I don't know if uh, they were both involved in the in the previous game. I yeah, I don't know how that breaks down on these tracks. No, um, we never. It we might never be really a case did. that there are there are tracks themes that mm. happen over the course of. So there's a, a few themes that re- reoccur in the sequel from the first game, which might account for um, Hugo Kano getting the credit, understandably. Um, So it might be that Akihiro uh, Manabe might have just been Mm. the sole kind of thing with that. I'm not sure. Looks like Manabe is uh, perhaps better known for TV work, anime work, uh, up to this point. It's not a name I'm as familiar with for for video games. I'm I'm not at all familiar, but I've got to say, I was was overall really impressed. Well, actually... That sounded slightly dismissive when I said that, but I'm actually really impressed with this. The soundtrack of this game is really, really good. The whole kind of score is very memorable. Now, it might be memorable because I played it for 250 odd hours. So it's like, you know, I have, it has almost like scorched itself onto my brain at this point. Yeah. Are there any pieces which you feel like you've heard a bit too much? Like, is there a theme when you die? (laughs) No, well, there is, but it's, it's like a little. Yeah, there is a piece that happens, but it's more like a little sting rather than a, a thing. But um, surprisingly enough, I didn't die. Well, I did die a lot. I, did, I died a <laughs> lot in this game. But it's. Um, but yeah, but that's hey, that's the learning curve you find with these games, isn't it? And that's mm. uh, that's that's how it is. Um, so this track, I mean, one of the things that stood out to me about this is is it. It actually reminds me of another. It reminds me of um, Ga- right. Let me get this right. It's Gaino Yamashiro Gumi's score for Akira. Because it's got that kind of the choral element to this, mm. and it reminds me a little of um, Kenji Kawai. It's like a mixture of Akira or certain tracks from the Akira soundtrack and um, Kenji Kawai's Ghost in a Shell soundtrack as well. Yes, right. And it's just like so. This one stood out to me quite a bit as soon as I heard it. I thought, oh, yeah, because I really like the kind of the vocal element to this. Mm. You know, it's like this quite high pitched sort of Japanese choral thing going on with this. Yeah. yeah. It's weird how sometimes human voices can make things sound more unearthly. Oh, totally, yeah. It's yeah. that sort of seems counterintuitive, but thinking about um, obviously the use of uh, I've forgotten what it's called. The famous piece that's used in multiple films, the Ligeti piece with uh, that's used in two thousand and one. Mm. It's used for the Halo drop in the Godzilla movie from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, that. That particular piece that build, builds yeah. up with with it starts off with a few voices and they're all kind yeah. of coming in on top of, over one another, and it ends up sounding like really like, almost like discordant as well, and like just yeah. like really kind of and it's quite unnerving, isn't it? It's got this real kind of yeah. like particularly in the Godzilla piece, it's it's used to great effect in that sequence. It's like mm. it's like yeah, this really sort of menace ominous. I think is a good word. Mm. To yeah, just sound to it, but it is uh, yeah, like you say, it's all human voices that are doing that. Mm. So. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. I'm not sure what that is. I've spoken with some of the composer guests we've had on here before about why sound, why certain sounds evoke certain moods or feelings. But it does. Now I think about it, you think of all the weird alien noises you can make with instruments, either organic ones or electronic ones. But yeah. ultimately, I think some of the most unsettling music is. Maybe it's the fact that it's human noises making sounds that we don't normally make. Like mm. on an, you know, you don't go around yeah. unless you are an actual 
singer vocalist uh sort of the way that the human voice comes together or is used makes it sound more alien mm. anyway so neo 2 mm. is the follow-up to the game from was it 2017 or was it earlier than that no i think it was 2017 yeah yeah, yeah. big year and so that game uh, was most commonly likened to a FromSoft style game. Mm. It has a lot of similarities with the Souls games and Bloodborne. But yeah. I remember particularly James, our James Carter, was saying that he felt that the more you played it, the more it became something else of its yeah. own. Yeah, for sure. I think it has. It, I think it, it. I think a lot of people might have. I don't want to use the term sneered, but not been interested because it felt like it was them cashing in on a particular trend or, or, you know, yeah. Whatever. Feel, from, from what I played, which is the first, the first few hours of the first game, mm. it does have a lot of similarities oh, yeah, to sure, the feel yeah. of the souls games. Yeah. yeah. There's clearly an influence, but I feel where it's, it, it does a lot of things differently. And I mean, very specifically the, the second game takes it into a different, in it, and I feel it has its own sense of character. And I, yeah, I mean, I've played both of them and I really, and one of the reasons I got into two was because I really enjoyed the first game. Um, and it was surprising. I, you know, there was just something about that one. I was interested in the, the, the material more, cause this is obviously pre Sekiro at the time. So it was like, I was oh, yeah. interested in a sort of, a sort of, a Jap- I, I, I like the idea of the Japanese folklore in this. I find it very, it's got like this sort of bestiary that you can look through and, and you've got descriptions and stuff of all the, the creatures, which are all, you know, born out of Japanese folklore, which is fascinating stuff. Yeah. They came and up the with way some great that, creatures. Oh yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like, I feel it, it kind of got shortchanged a little bit because a lot of people maybe just assumed it was a Souls-like and they, they were able to play the Dark Souls games. But I feel like, yeah. no, nah, it, it's such a shame. Well, I say it's such a shame. I know it, it did okay. So it's it's not like it was completely passed over, but these are in their own way really, really good games. So in your 250 hours of play, presumably mm. leveling up, unlike Sekiro, you can uh, you can actually make your character more powerful and stronger you don't just yeah. have to get good um not saying you don't get good of course but you can uh, you can make the process a little more accessible by uh gaining abilities and whatever yeah does this uh does the story get the story buried really at all good. in in your nah, 250 not at hours? all well right mm, yeah that's interesting with the story stuff because i really got into that whether as Rich, who was who was playing this at the same time, because we were doing a lot of the the when I get stuck, he'd come in on co op and and stuff. So, yes. and it was interesting because we'd be chatting on how we get through stuff, but we have quite different sort of approaches to each level. But what you ask him about the story, and he'd be like, "I've no idea." But to me, it was like so. It, it takes it does a similar thing to Sekiro in a lot of ways. It takes a, real characters real situations and then gives them a, a fantastical slant. So you've got like Oda Nobunaga, who is, you know, yeah. a regular video game character yes, in a sense. He's, he's been in plenty up. of games. Oh God, yeah. yeah. I think the first game, actually I'll tell you the truth. The first game that I ever, um, I was, I was thinking about this the other day, but the first game that I ever encountered that sort of stuff was in was Kesson on the PS2. Right. Yeah. You know, sure. and, but I think he, he also turns up in the, um, 
Onimusha series and all that kind of stuff. So Dynasty got, Wars. Uh, there was an old, I mean, old game called Nobunaga's Ambition. Yeah, Ambition, yeah. Yeah, very popular in Japan, apparently. Yeah. It's like, it's all that sort of stuff where it's all based around that point of um, the unification of Japan. You know, yeah. so it's all based around that kind of thing. That Feudal Neo- shogun times. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's a fascinating time in Japanese history. If you've got any interest in that, it is it, it is based on, really cleverly based on stuff as well, um, and yeah, and it opens up a whole like I didn't know until I played the first game that the very first samurai, foreign samurai, I should say, the very first foreigner who became a samurai was actually from Africa. Hmm. Um, his Japanese name was Yasuke. But I can't mm-hmm. remember. He had something else as well. But I can't remember what what other part of his, his name was. But um, but yeah, he was a, a freed African slave, and he became a samurai in Japan. And this is pre uh, William Adams, who is the main character in uh, thingy. But that's what a lot of people always assume because William Adams is is the original kind of inspiration for that. Um, I can't remember who wrote the book, but Shogun. Remember, yes. it was turned into a TV Richard series. Carpenter. Richard Carpenter? No. Uh, Richard, Richard Chamberlain was Chamberlain. in the TV series. Yes. Richard yeah. Carpenter's a, a footballer. <laughs> yeah, it's based on a, a novel that came years before, but I don't. But that's based on the whole William Adams thing, but right. totally shafted by a Western author just not getting anything wrong. I, I say that, I haven't even read it. So, But anyway, but um, Neo 2 is actually a prequel. And so oh, what is you've it? Got, oh, okay. Yeah, right. so it's set... It kind of all well, actually, it, it yeah, is a prequel, zero, but it has an overlap um, where you oh. kind of where it ends is kind of overlapping with the first game, and it's really interesting because you see origins of characters that you appear in the second game or the first game rather. So it's like, and it's fascinating to see how they get involved in this story from that side of it. And it was just, I don't know, I found it really interesting. I thought it was really cleverly kind of. Uh, orchestrated, you know, in the way that they've sort of merged the two games together. They could have just gone into something completely different, but instead they've intertwined the two to the point where they literally become the same thing at the end. It's like quite interesting where you, yeah. So worthy of investigation for Very anyone so. who was put yeah. off by Sekiro's lack of levelling up or oh, co-op God, no. play. If you, yeah, I mean, where this game... I, I, if for anybody who's interested, I talked, and I'll probably be talking about it again this month, this week when we record our monthly Patreon podcast. I've gone on about it in this before, but it's the the co op stuff in that uh, is really good. Like it's got so much flexibility in terms of how you want to play this game. I feel that's definitely a feather in its cap. You know, if you want it to be hard, it can be hard. If you want to just, you know, if you want that level of difficulty and and you know, that sense of achievement by doing it on your own, you totally can. If you're like me, don't want to do that and haven't got the patience to it, you can have AI companions. Uh, you can have up to three, two other players in co-op. You've got three-player. It's a three-player game. I don't know why three, but I don't oh, remember. Right. But hey, yeah. you know, I'm not complaining. I guess it's just what the tech handles. Yeah. Uh, and the systems. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. A change of mood and tone and genre, but actually the same publisher for our next game. This is requested by a member of the community called Parasitic Tween, who says the totally under the radar 2017 magical girl themed JRPG Blue Reflection is an imperfect game. 
The turn-based combat and Atlas-esque social link systems are charming but fail to meaningfully develop much, and the brief but frustratingly obligatory moments of uncomfortable sexualization and JRPG fanservice often sour moments of genuine sweetness within the game's simple story about teen female friendships and coming of age. However, as an aesthetic object, the game is stunning. Blue reflection pairs hyper-feminine pastel hues with beautiful cell-shaded character designs, and the crisp, glossy combat menus and UI animations are just as modern and stylish as a Persona game. The brilliant soundtrack accentuates the game in inspired and unexpected ways. It combines elements of harsh EDM and dubstep music, genres I normally hate for their broy aggression, with exuberant strings and dancing pianos straight out of a magical girl anime theme. Violent atonal wubwubs build up into chaos, breaching into hopeful waves of glistening melodies and prismatic synth leads. This call and response song structure not only speaks to the themes of the game, but to JRPG turn-based combat structure as a whole. I would really recommend checking at least the soundtrack out. The three-phase boss mixes, too long to feature here, are a particular highlight. Here's one of my favourites from the many outstanding battle themes from the game. This is Tiger, with an A, Michael, by Hayato Asano.
we don't feature a lot of dubstep on Sound of Play. I'm not sure. Uh, it seemed to be a trend thing. This that actually 2017 seems quite late for the the dubstep boom. But uh, but I I actually I don't mind I don't mind it like an occasional little blast of it. I actually think can be quite fun. Um, and certainly, yeah, always great to hear uh, a, pick, a pick from a game that I very don't really know anything about. Like I see mm. there's a lot of JRPGs pop up, particularly on the PS4 store. This one's on the PS4 Vita and the PC. And <clears throat> unless you're really, really obsessed with that genre at the expense of all other genres, it's impossible to keep up with them all that game from the description that parasitic tween gave us sounds very much like something that maybe uh, leah our leah would be into but i don't know if she's actually yeah she's uh, also somebody who adds a lot of cool games to her library from an eclectic mix of genres and inevitably some things get left behind but yeah that's by gust co limited the uh, developer and yeah it's on the koi tecmo label i imagine it turns up in digital sales on PSN but I don't know yeah but I think it's it's it is under the radar a little too much I've never heard of it to be honest mm. until tonight magical girl animes you're mm. more about the samurais than the magical girls I do like the word wobble no. <laughs> yeah well I mean is it a, I suppose it's a is it a word a description a it's a sort of onomatopoeia right yeah but yeah. I like it I always think I'll call a puppy whoop whoop <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> but it reminds to call me for of it. Yeah, it's like um, Ewoks. <laughs> I don't know, but it, every time I hear it, I, ah, I, I, that's, that's yeah. Yup Nub. Yeah, that's yeah, what, exactly. That, that was the old, <laughs> the old end song from Return of yeah, the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mm. do you reckon? Oh no, let's not get into Star Wars because we're, <laughs> oh, no. we're we'll save that. Off. We'll save that for the monthly. That's where. Yeah. That's where we do the Star Wars chat. Let's talk a different kind of night. The night's theme from mm. the Order, eighteen eighty six. So this was a, a game that didn't get a huge amount of attention despite uh, i mean sony gave it a bit of a push that. yeah and and uh, yeah it was it was one of those that was i think quite well known to mm. ps4 owners back in 2015 when the ps4 was kind of yeah just coming up to starting to peak i suppose i think um, it was and, one of the early games where people were like wow look at that uh, like, look at the tech yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we covered this back in Kane and Rince podcast issue 255. I think mm. it was a, a pick of yours. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. what's interesting to me about you bringing this piece of music to this podcast five years after the game is that it's obviously the soundtracks stayed with you. Very much so. But there is another reason. Um, so okay. I've already picked this track years ago. I, I think maybe even one of the very early sound of plays that was on, if not like the very first one it could oh, really? not, would it no we did this in no, 2014 so the game 20, yeah yes. mm-hmm. yeah so it, but i know i've picked this track before but i figured okay. well this was years ago so i'll pick it again sure one of the reasons i i brought this up is is i i really enjoyed this game i think it, i i loved the the setting and the, the the premise and everything about it i love the fiction i even like the gameplay it is very kind of on almost very linear very short. Not that that's a, a criticism, but yeah. it it had such a sense of character, time, and place for what they've done. Like you know, that kind of steampunk Victorian stuff. That I, I, it is all. It really resonated. I loved the 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 story behind this and the way they built in things like you know racism in the the sort of eighteen hundred or nineteenth, early nineteen, you know, late nineteenth century and stuff. Um. I found it really fascinating. 
and I was kind of sad that it was a game that got quite negative, uh, critical, sort of, well, I'd say, I wouldn't say a consensus, but there was a lot of negative press around the time because it was like literally four to five hours long. Hmm. Which, you know, if you'd paid 40 quid for it, well, it's, you know, it's that, it's that debate again, but whatever. But um, I, so uh, probably a couple of months ago now, rumors came up that they're making a sequel to this. And so I'm very excited. And I think I've been watching everything recently for, for you know, I, w- I was watching the Sony presentation because I was like, oh, please, please show an order sequel. Please show the order sequel. Well, they didn't. And now I'm waiting for the Microsoft one because who knows? You'll probably be aware of this guy on Twitter, Nibble or Nibelian. Yes, yes. he seems to... Uh... He, I think it's a he, yeah. breaks a huge amount of the, yeah. the big gaming news, has a lot yeah. of contacts. And his stuff is pretty on the ball a lot of the times. Like Usually, he's, yeah. yeah. He's, he's Very quite reliable. good for getting that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so he posted this story that there was um, there was a trailer leak. Um, nobody's seen it, but the person wrote a description of what they'd been looking at on Reddit or whatever, and he was, um, you know, he'd retweeted this stuff. And I've taken a huge amount of interest in this because I would absolutely, I, I would literally fall over myself for a sequel on this one. I love this game, mm. and the idea of a sequel is has got me so excited. And you know, there's a really detailed, there was a really detailed description of what the trailer showed, and I'm like, oh, please be true, please, because <laughs> I really, really wanted a sequel then, and I don't care if it's a. You know, if it's not a PlayStation, that is irrelevant to me. What's if it's a, a, a multi platform title? Yeah. I don't care. It's I, not one of I those get insane what I want. tribes yeah. tribesmen. Yeah, yeah. I, I get a sequel to one of my sort of. I, I, it's not even a guilty pleasure. I straight out and out love this game. I think yeah. it had such sort of strong character and strong story, and I really wanted to see them pursue it and see where they took it. And so, if that's true. I'm totally excited for the next generation systems. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is one of those games that makes me think, all right, I'll see when that's out and I will definitely have to have a new system by the time that hits. You know, it's that sort of, th- that sort of pull for me on this. So yeah, I, I brought the Knights theme up. Just to remind everybody that the Order 1886 is an awesome game, <laughs> in my opinion. And um, yeah, it's like five hours of your life to experience it. And it's kind of interesting. It was also one of the early sort of photo mode. I think it may have been like the second game that I really got into taking pictures on as well after mm. um, The Last of Us Remastered. So mm. it was like, yeah. But. Excellent. Let's enjoy Jason Graves' Knights theme. Thank you. 
from The Order 1886, which still hasn't been a PS Plus game, I don't think. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. It's not in my library, I don't think, which suggests it hasn't ever been on PS mm. Plus, unless I completely... Well, maybe if the rumours of a sequel are true, that would be the perfect yeah. time to drop that one. I think it is hard to... like. Obviously, some people love the game, and it even had a few quite positive reviews mm. among quite a lot of mediocre ones. Yeah. But I suppose it's quite hard from a marketing point of view. Even if you feel that you released a decent game, yeah. the fact that like the Metacritic score is, is a 63 mm. and only 20-odd percent of critics actually recommended the game or whatever is quite hard to get people excited and yeah. not to... Because you you know how scathing obviously the audience can be, especially yeah. to an online release. If you you're like, oh, the order that was that was rubbish or whatever. Mm. If that happens, then you've kind of got bad bad vibes from the off. So yeah, but yeah, I I mean if if they believe it sounds to me, and there have certainly been loads of games in the past where the first example of a game in a series has been slightly you know underwhelming whatever yeah. even, even if some people liked it and then they've gone on to great things like think about kill zone for example yeah um but it sounds like with the order they they did set up what seems like quite a, a, an evocative a very and, strong yeah uh, very- uh, sort of mythos with a with yeah. potential yeah I, I, I mean that was that's the main draw for me i think mm. you know like you know, as we're going to talk about it probably briefly in a bit, but the you know the Naughty Dog games get a lot of attention for up in the ante for acting and, and performance and stuff, and not just them, but other game games of this generation in particular have have stood out. I feel with with a lot of their titles, but I think you know the order was right there at the beginning of this sort of stuff, and for this generation, and you know I just remember being like really taken with. The performances. I mean, you've got Graham McTavish. You've. Um, I mean, I say that I'm a big fan. I can't remember a lot of the voice actors, but the levels of performance in that, and you know, the the tech that accompanied it, just super impressive. I, I never got bored watching it, if you will. Now I know that some people will, that that's where they had a problem is that they were watching this stuff rather than playing it. Mm. I actually liked some of the gameplay as well. It's very straightforward. It didn't, you know, it didn't. It didn't break new ground, which maybe they can now. Maybe they've figured out where they went wrong and have better ideas. I don't know. I'd just be excited for a, a follow-up mm. and, yeah, for them to pursue. Because it felt like a very personal story as well. Like, yeah, I think there was a real, you know, because it's work, it works in the, I can't remember what it's, it has a different name in the game, but it was like the East India Trading Company and stuff mm. like that. So there's a yeah. lot of that history that is intertwined with the the fiction of the game it's quite a it's quite a theme of the games that you seem to really like thinking about neo and the assassin's creed games and uh and the order you yeah. seem to like uh yeah. sort of fantastic twists on human history i suppose the samurai games a lot of the samurai games kind of play around with that yeah as well. a lot of them I, I find it i like games where i can learn something from them you know i i, I spend a lot of time wikiing and googling these characters up if they're based on real people and then you learn something from it you learn a little bit even if it's you know little sound bites nonetheless i went i came out with more than i went into this game yeah. you know it's and that if, sort if you're of interested thing. it sinks in that's the yeah, key yeah. thing and god am i so jealous now they've recently uh, in Poland, the, mm. the game This War of Mine has been added to the national curriculum for, for teaching children. Wow. 
it's a game we covered yeah. and just imagine how much better i would have done at school <laughs> if, if, if it had been gamified yeah 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 i mean so, it's like the it's like the assassin's creed using the history mode you're making that as a as an ed, um, educational tool for that sort of history stuff where you can go around ancient egypt and, and ancient greece like my mind would be blown if I could go back to school at that, at, at that age. We um, were still and, in the era of maybe the occasional videotaped schools TV program oh, off yeah, the telly, yeah. but mostly yeah. it was just open the book. Might be a picture here and there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Black we and were, white <laughs> picture as yeah, well. You don't absolutely. get colour books that often. Yeah. More expensive printing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, yeah, just the idea of, of that as, a, as video games as an educational tool would be like, Man, how clever would I be now? <laughs> yeah. Now we have something very different. This is from a completely different sort of game. R.W. Gibbons requests, I've been wanting to submit a track from Runner 3 for a while now because I think the soundtrack is genius. The problem is, it's just so hard to pick one. I finally settled on a bite too far for my submission. This game was featured in the itch. Io, I'm not sure how you say this. I always say itchio. Yeah, itch-io. that's how I say. It, yeah. Okay, maybe that's correct. I don't. I'm, I don't even know what the domain .io is. Uh, Io is one of the moons of Jupiter. Anyway, R W Gibbons I don't continues. Think it's based there. No, <laughs> this game was featured in the itchio bundle for racial adju- uh, for justice and equality. One of many insanely quality games that were part of that bundle. Yeah, it was uh, over 1,700 games in the end for $5 or whatever you want to pay. Ridiculous. I paid a tenner um, <laughs> right. just because $5 seemed too insulting. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the brilliant thing about this and the previous games in the series is that the music is amplified the better you do and the more you collect. This is the version you get if you play the level perfectly. As an aside, my daughter played the game along with me when it first came out. And at age five, she was obsessed with it. She hand animated a book about the characters and I sent it to the creators via Twitter, who, of course, loved it. Brilliant. Matthew Harwood's A Bite Too Far.
So that runner three was made by Choice Provisions, which I don't actually know the relationship between that the developer of the the third runner game because the the original BitTrip runner, mm. which was runner one as it were, was part of the BitTrip series, which started on Wii and then came over to uh, other formats, 3DS and PS4 and so on. We covered the BitTrip, the original BitTrip series back in issue 27. But yeah, the runner games kind of sprang off into their own sort of uh, own little mini franchise. And yeah, and I think that one may even have been by different developers to its predecessors, but the, there was like a huge gap between runner two and runner three of about five years as well. Mm. So strange yeah strange this, this track history. is really good though i mean it reminded me of like charles stalin's kind of looney tune stuff where yeah, it's like right. and it's just kind of i've never really yeah and it's not and to be honest i didn't i, I haven't paid any attention to, i'm aware of the bit games mainly because i think the first time i ever played them was the first time i ever went around to your place back like oh, wow. was 11 years ago or whatever yeah. when we first met yeah. up and it was like yeah and you were showing me that on the way at the time <laughs> And I do remember I was taken with the soundtrack to that game. I think I still have a copy of that. But yeah, so it's like that. Yeah, it didn't click until I saw the artwork for it. And I was like, that looks like a character from the Bitrick games. And then I saw the, the credit and I thought, ah, cause that's because it is that character yeah. from Bitrick mm-hmm. games. But yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, R.W. Gibbons, for that pick. Mm. Now, I've been... Uh, playing this a lot of people will have been playing this i've seen it on my friends list obviously it's all uh, it's a console exclusive and it will be until the ps5 comes out presumably uh is the last of us part two mm. there's a tv advert which uh which is uh it doesn't really spoil anything i don't think but it does have the character of ellie ashley johnson singing a a breathy vocal cover of true faith by new order Hmm. um, which i haven't actually got to in the game as yet and obviously we are going to be incredibly careful around spoilers because this podcast is coming out less than Hmm. a week after the game did and i'm currently only as i say i'm nine hours into it i think jay's maybe a little further ahead yeah yeah. um and yes we've even had spoiler talk among the team on our slack channel and uh the, even the sharing of an oblique tweet got in the way of somebody's enjoyment. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a minefield talking about it. Um, I don't even want to say really what I think so far, but I will say that the nine hours has flown by mm. in terms of actually playing it. Like I find the, the gameplay incredibly compelling. Yeah. I think my opinions on the story, which I know has proved controversial and divisive, often among people who haven't actually experienced it for themselves in the game uh i'm i'm gonna reserve judgment until i've seen the whole thing play out because Mm. i was one of those people that i didn't think this the last of us needed or actually would Mm. benefit from a sequel and at this point i'm still thinking as much as i'm enjoying the game maybe in in story terms that's i still think that but we shall see how I feel about it when it resolves because there's, mm. I think I've still got about another 15 hours of, 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 of game to see. So things yeah. could, things could change. Yeah. I'm um, not going to have an opinion on this. I, I have a thoughts, but I'm keeping them yeah. to myself because I feel like more than anything, I need to play it through once, let it percolate for a bit, go back and replay certain scenes again. Um, yeah. Mm. And, and then maybe replay the whole game again at some point, uh, similar to the way that I played the first game. But, hmm, yeah. 
but there are, but this I, I wanted to because I'm playing it I thought I need I want to pick a piece of music from this now the problem I had was it sounds they brought back Gustavo Santalaya again for the score the problem I have with it is it sounds very as you would expect to be fair and I think upon to do it justice I kind of need to sit and listen to the score in isolation to see if it, how different it, it is but at mm. the moment it feels very familiar like it's immediately familiar. It's him. It's got the same kind of soundscapey elements to it, which I really like. And don't get me wrong, I'm not. It's not a criticism, but I wanted to pick a track from this. Mm. And then the game kind of gave me one in the fact that, um, it, again, trying to be very careful. But there's a your character. It's not a spoiler to say that she plays the guitar. It's kind of it was in every trailer they've shown, isn't it? But um. But you yeah, play, I, you, yeah, she, so, yes, she plays the guitar. We can say that. <laughs> yeah, so she plays the guitar. And I mean, spoiler if you were expecting her to play the trumpet, I suppose. Now you're disappointed. But hey, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Some, someone will have a go at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like, we can, can we talk about the, the guitar thing? Like that stuff? Is that, is that going too far? Because I'm not sure. But I, yeah, because like the the implant the the implementation of this stuff, I thought was really really good. Like, maybe that's all I'll say on it. Yeah, but that's fine. the character plays covers of songs. Like you already mentioned, um, what was the song you mentioned before? True Faith True is Faith. on the is on the advert. Right, um, I haven't seen and... the TV advert because yeah. Okay, yeah, but then she did she did this. <laughs> like version of take on me by aha which yeah i loved it i just loved it i loved the playing of it and i i, I like the kind of you know ashley johnson sings it and there's uh, there's not a you know I, I, it doesn't sound too harsh to say i don't think she's like a professional trained no. singer there's a there's a, a yeah a, a a reality to it. like yeah. she sounds like somebody who's enjoyed singing and taught herself yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it just exudes a lot of charm, and I really was taken. And I won't go into specifics, but I love the scene it's in. And mm. yeah, so. Talking away, I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say.
That was, of course, the unmistakable take on me, originally by uh, Aha. Some of us are very much old enough to remember Aha's first flush of success in the 80s. And uh, I think it's fair to say that even though they were also popular with teeny boppers and squealing girls, they were they were always kind of respected as a proper good pop band. Like yeah. they made, they well, I made, think they were more famous for their video. <laughs> yeah, and the video. Yeah, yeah, true. But yes, they 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 smashed up the charts with two or three yeah. absolute like yeah. all time pop bangers, didn't they? So. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: they they've got quite a kind of quite a video game an interesting video game kind of connections there i don't know if you've is it um i think it's in just cause 4 have you seen this no so there's a building in just cause 4 where you can go down into the basement (laughs) and there is a recreation of the take on me video oh i did see something like that i saw i saw this on a thumbnail on youtube yeah yeah and I genuinely was laughing my ass off at this. I thought that is just like I have no no interest in playing the game, unfortunately. Well, if I do, if I ever play, just this is one point I'm going to make. As, as I'm going to single this this yeah. this thing out, and I'm going to go look for it because I think it's absolutely amazing what they've done. And what so what they've got is you go down and you can see this sort of box that's a, like, and suddenly it's all like. Uh, or the, like the video was hand drawn pencil yeah. lines sort of yeah. shimmering and there's a yeah. woman in there and if, as you walk through this sort of barrier that's sort of keeping everything that you walk into this the music starts playing she starts dancing like the and it's a, and you turn into the kind of pencil drawing version and it's <laughs> just as an easter eggs go it kills me watching it because i think it's absolutely brilliant that somebody took the time to put this in for yeah. no reason other than like, hey, look, look what we've done. <laughs> and I just thought it's it's brilliant. It's, yeah. So I've got a fondness for our for horror video games now because of that. But it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Excellent. Yes, we'll probably talk a little more about The Last of Us Part 2, again, without spoilers, yeah. as far as we possibly can on our Patreon monthly podcast, which we'll be recording in a few days' time as you listen to this. If you are not a patron already, you can sign up for $2 a month and you get that podcast every month, as well as extended versions of our regular Cane and Rinse podcasts. Mm-hmm. little plug there. Now, our next pick is just a, a nice classic vintage sci-fi space opera maybe orchestral piece from the title screen of last year's the outer worlds ginger tastic requests it i've just finished playing through the outer worlds and thought i would request the title screen music as it's particularly great i would often save and exit the game so i could come back and listen to this track it really sets the stage for you going on your grand sci-fi adventure
Obsidian Entertainment's The Outer Worlds, the main menu theme by Justin E. Bell. And uh, that's a game I've only uh, just had a quick look at on Game Pass. It is, yeah, very much a sort of spiritual relation to Fallout or the Fallout 3 and particularly New Vegas as it's Obsidian. Um, any temptation to play the Outer Worlds? I, so I fell into that pit where I get confused between the Outer Worlds and the Outer Wilds, and nah, I paid well, so little attention out- to both <laughs> that I get them confused. So. Outer Wilds, with no the, is the one that a lot of people right. had as one of their games of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a rather more esoteric science fiction game yeah whereas the outer worlds is is more kind of mm. down to earth back to basics first person rpg loot you know all the the fallout type yeah, yeah. type stuff so but it's got this uh kind of retro sci-fi aesthetic like yeah you, almost yeah. a bit a bit like no man's sky but less sort of um less abstract more more like the sort of covers of old sci-fi books yeah. you'd see from the 50s and things like well that. that's the thing because the video that um Gingertastic linked, assuming that is the video that you've taken. It's the link. actual title screen, yeah. Yeah, so that's the title screen. Yeah. It's reminiscent of the old classic uh, Flash Gordon Buster Crab. Yeah, the serial stuff. And the ships. Has, yeah, yeah, the ship would be sort of on where you'd have the ship on wires with yep, sparks, sparks coming out the back, yeah. and you'd have the <laughs> title thing like Flash yeah. Gordon, you know, Adventures or whatever. And but, of course, without that, as well as all the samurai films and the, and the Westerns, yeah. without Flash Gordon, there was yeah, yeah. definitely no Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Another old favourite of yours, a game that you did sync a lot of time into back in the day. I don't think you've been back to it recently. Is this just uh, anticipation for the sequel? Yeah, that, that's all it is. Right. <laughs> like the, the sequel definitely coming um you know it, it's like it's a no-brainer you know it's like I, I i spent so much time playing the horizon zero dawn loved every moment of that game um loved the uh the photo mode uh just i just enjoyed it completely i mean it was one of the it, i think it may have been one of the first games where i literally 100 percented everything went through the the dlc as well and just yeah, I have very few negative. Well, um, yeah. If you want to know if I've got any negatives, then just go back and listen to uh, sort of issue three four three, which really should have been a Halo show. Thinking about that number, yes, we should have. Carl totally- did mention that. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, we should have. Uh, but yeah, that, so uh, we talk at length about that on on that show. I genuinely couldn't be more excited that there's a sequel, and that I mean, to be honest. You've no, I've I figured there's a sequel coming. Yeah, of course. As soon as I finished that game, I thought this is yeah, I can't wait for a sequel. I've had to wait three years for confirmation, <laughs> but it's like well, you know that it's there. You know it's what they've been working on because I, I I I follow when I get really into a game, I'll look, I'll you know, you do the whole following the developers and stuff. So you start look every now and again, you intermittently look at their website to see what kind of jobs they're offering, which is usually an indicator of like things <laughs> you know yeah that they're working on something so yeah and it's just one of those titles where the moment that you know so the sequels were horizon forbidden west the trailer was on the sony presentation and mm-hmm. yeah i was just like goosebump moment for me with that i just cannot wait I, mm. it, it's similar to the order you know there's 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 probably quite a few games there is a lot of games that i'm really 
keen to see a sequel for because I loved what I got from the original. I mean, thinking about it, they're all sequels that I'm uh, the music that I've played. It's all sequels, or well, maybe the order, but the sequel talk, I suppose. But yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I had to pick a Horizon track. And why? Why this one in particular? Then I just love it. I think it's it's just a very simple. I mean, what we were talking about earlier with the choral music. Mm. I mean, this is like almost like a lone female vocal. So this is "Song for Aloy" by Yoris the Man. And I think there's just a, a beautiful simplicity to this piece of music. It's it's only like, you know, less than ninety seconds, but um, and it's just that that recurring theme that is sort of reworked into other tracks, um, throughout the soundtrack itself and the score in the game. But this is kind of the the pure version of it, if you will. Song for Aloy by Yoris Deman from 2017's Horizon Zero Dawn. If you want another little Patreon bonus and you're willing to sign up for just $2 a month, you can also listen to a group chat conversation among Jay and some of the Kane and Rince crew members about, in response to, in reaction to that Sony event, online digital uh, sort of E3 substitute which featured uh, quite a few trailers for quite a few in, in, in enticing, mouth-watering things, some of mm. which were very much expected and a few of which were interesting surprises, new IPs. Yeah, yeah it was a good spread, I thought. And mm. uh, yeah, and I was uh, very, very uh, happy to finally have the Blue Point remake of Demon's Souls confirmed, even mm. though it's been a very, very strong rumour for a long time there was still the chance that it wasn't actually going to happen. There's also the rumour that they are remastering Bloodborne for PC and PS5 as well, which seems quite feasible to me. Yeah, remaster for that definitely feels like it's... 4K, 60, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be nice. But that Blue Point Demon's Souls looks Mm -hmm. incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the the trailer didn't really give a lot away, but the... um, but yeah, the the stills they've been showing off since have been my mouth's watering just in case it has a photo mode. I love Demon's Souls. It will, as well, it so. absolutely will. Well, this I mean, is why, I, yeah, it, Bluepoint used their own engine, so it's like, yeah, it, yeah. They they wouldn't. I mean, they, they, there's one in Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, yeah. And which for me is one, one of the finest one. looking games yeah. around, certainly of the last generation, especially in the the enhanced version. Um, mm. So yeah, just 
mouth-watering thought of them taking on demon souls obviously there'll be yeah there'll be a few aesthetic tweaks and changes that uh that maybe some fans won't be happy with yeah. but um but overall i think i i, I totally trust them to do a, a, a tasteful and sensitive uh reimagining um while keeping the core of what of what was uh, what people loved about Demon Souls, but it will be interesting mm. to see because there are some sort of issues I think with with the first Souls game that people talk about that they from software very much addressed with Dark Souls, and so it'd be interesting to see if they take any of that at all and kind of work a few little quality of life changes into into Demon Souls, and it'll also be interesting, I think, to see now the the Last of Us Part Two has come out amid incredible praise for its accessibility options. Mm-hmm. Sony have been really, I think, and not taking anything away from Microsoft with their adapt- adaptive controller and all that no. kind of thing, but I think Sony's accessibility options have been getting better and better in recent years, and they've mm-hmm. been making a, a very obvious sort of... Um, there, there's been a there's been a deliberate program and a move towards that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that with a game like Demon's Souls, which was so much about that some of those frustrating frustrating limitations like not being able to pause the game yeah. and all that kind of thing like how much how how far will they go in terms of the, making it accessible to to more people without losing the soul of the game if you'll pardon the pun mm. shadowless kick is our next community requester we have uh, we still have a few dozen on our list of requests but we always want more so head over to slash forum Look up the Sound of Play folder, and there's a thread in there which you can just post bits of music. And if you put a little description, explanation, tell us why you like it, or even why you don't, or why it's interesting in there, and it will get added to a possible playlist for a future show. Shadowless Kick says, this track plays as you approach the lair of the boss of the Western region. This is of Hyperlight Drifter. When I first encountered this area, I was overwhelmed by the amount of enemies that sprouted up. The deep bass rumbles, low synth tones and slow pace all do a great job of musically representing this oppressive, smothering horde trying to stop your progress. It also foreshadows the impending boss fight. You're in the presence of something big, mean, dangerous and cruel. Sometime later, after gaining more skill, experience and weapons, I return to this area looking for secrets. I may have missed the first time. I'm much stronger. The same track plays, only this time, the dangerous presence is me.
That was Disaster Piece. Almost unmistakable, although there are quite a few soundalikes around, so <laughs> maybe mistakable. Yeah. Uh, Stasis Awakening from Hyperlight Drifter. You can play that on most things, apart from Android. Still hasn't come to Android, according to my little list there. I don't know if that's a mistake, but um, you can play it on all the other current formats, including iOS. We covered that game in the Cana Rinse podcast, issue 326. Before we hear your last selection, I want to thank Jay for joining me on this Sound Play podcast, which he helped to create and edit. <laughs> so uh, definitely worthy of the thanks on behalf of all the listeners as well. So this final piece is mm. another from your recent darling, Neo 2. Yep. Uh, it's a rare time because you've actually bought multiple games on or near day one. <laughs> Yeah, I've got uh, yeah two games on pre-order recently, which you know The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Um, yeah. It's like yeah, just this. Uh, it's unusual, but I think it was just that. It's kind of unprecedented. Well, it's not necessarily unprecedented, but it was just two games that I couldn't decide which one I wanted, and they were both out together. And it's what can you do? <laughs> so this piece is uh, the Sohaya. Is that right? Yeah, the Sohaya. Yeah, the what, um, what's going on here? Well, this piece of music played on one particular level. I think this is the level's called A Way Out. And it plays just prior. It, you get to this. You have to work your way through the level. And I love the Neo 2 levels. I love the way they kind of, similar to the Dark Souls things, you yeah. know, you've got to w- work your way through, open up shortcuts. And you get you finally to the last section just prior to the boss fight. There's a beautiful kind of village with in a cave section just before you you get to the boss of this this level and this piece of music plays throughout like it just it starts as you kind of go in and it's just there as a background track but i really love this piece of music i I spent ages in this level partly just sort of like hidden away in a corner just listening to this piece of music it reminded me of um (laughs) it reminds me a lot of uh tan dunn's score for crouching tiger hidden dragon it has that kind of, right. I don't know if it's just a similar kind of instrumentation, but it's just the melody, if that's mm. the right frame. It's just the tune itself. It just, it just, yeah, it just immediately clicked like, ah, it reminds me of that. But it's a beautiful piece of music. Meanwhile, it's a beautiful piece of music. Well, I was repeatedly as well getting my arse handed to me by the various yokai that are based between me and the boss. And then... I repeatedly and many times got battered by the boss in this section. I had to call in help. Richard came in and, and joined me and we absolutely battered it. And I was like, you know, it was like one of those situations. But uh, but yeah, this this yeah, this level was probably one of the early points in the game where I just couldn't I couldn't progress. But because the game allows for all right. this stuff, you know, those solutions were at hand. But um but yeah, beautiful. As I said earlier, it's it's got a beautiful score and it's quite a lot of the tracks are very distinctly different from one another, you know. There's a there's a there was another track I was really debating about which is towards the end of the game, there's um a couple of levels where this there's a piece of music that's got this pulsating almost electronica score playing under this really sort of threatening mm. beat, but it's it's amazing in the game because it's just this constant threatening uh, bubbling sort of like baseline 
But when you listen to it independently, it just seems to go on and on and on for like six and a half minutes. And it, w- without the context of the game, it doesn't quite work on it on its own. I got a kick out listening to it because I remember how it made me feel when I was playing that moment. But I thought if I put that in, it's a weird track to end on because it's like it doesn't have, you know, it, it, it doesn't work if you've no sense of the context where this thing's being played out. This piece, however, I think is just genuinely a beautiful piece of music. And, um, you know, yeah, play, play Neo 2 just so you can hear how good the score is, Prove you know, or whatever, but... Fair enough. Well, sounds mm. like a great way to end this Sound of Play podcast. Thanks once again. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. It'll be Ryan, I think. And we'll leave you with Hugo Kano and or Akihiro Manabe's The Soi Haya from Neo 2. And we'll see you next time.